haven't spent a lot of time together. There's, there has been a knitting of hearts, but it's, it's, a, it's a spiritual and supernatural thing that has happened over the years, Father. And that when, we, when we're in the same room, there's a, it's almost that we, we, we both serve the same God. We're both passionate for the same God. We're both loved by the same God. And we both love the bride of Christ. And we love the things of Christ, Lord. And I pray this morning that as he shares that, that not only would you anoint his lips, but Father God, my prayer is that you would anoint the ears of everyone listening. That, Lord, that supernaturally you would anoint our hearts and our ears to hear the word of God. And you would come and meet with us, Jesus, as we surrender and as we lay prostrate at the foot of the cross and as we surrender our lives to you, Jesus. Lord, come and have your way. Come and have your way. Come, Jesus. Every one of us this morning would have an encounter with you, Jesus. We would be changed and transformed into your likeness. Come, God. Come, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I was just at the back during worship, not because I don't enjoy worshiping God or, or because I was doing anything different, but because I was just changing everything I've brought. <laughs> I want you to know we don't come with polished lectures to blow everyone away with our own sense of inflated opinion of ourselves, but we come to, not that there's anything wrong with the lecture, by the way. But we come to try and pick up what the Holy Spirit is doing and saying, I really just feel like there's such a grace flowing in this meeting. I really want to honor it. And I believe we can preach for any part of the word and, and the, the Lord will bless that. But I do want to yeah, just, just come with something that I feel will flow with what's happening. Okay. So that's what that is. Okay. So it's not a polished preach. Uh, I'm not worried. I'm not afraid of, of looking not great. It doesn't bother me. Uh, but I just want the Lord to be honored, man, and glorified. That's what I want. Okay. Uh, it's really awesome to be here. Uh, I thank God. Uh, I, I haven't been to Georgia a lot. I used to did just play music. I remember playing in, I think it was a Stones nightclub or something. It was just an utter nightmare, uh, as was most of my career. But uh, yeah, man, I, I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful to be in the Botanical Gardens. Something about a garden. Uh, I think of the whole world re- went wrong in a garden. It's where man rebelled against God. It's where a man looked at God and said, not your ways, but my ways. But then the whole world got redeemed in a garden because another man came and said, not my way, but your way. And it's like God just brings things full circle. And I just praise God for his grace. He is a God of grace and mercy. And I'm testament to that. And uh, for me to, yeah, just to be with you, I'm so grateful we can be together. I'm so grateful for the mercy of God, the love of God. The patience of God. How many of you realize how patient God's been with you? Like, God, you could, have, you could have actually been done with me a while ago. But I thank God for his patience and the message of the cross and the gospel. And uh, I heard a story actually last, I think it was last year. A guy came back from a missionary trip. Behind some communist nation or, or former communist nation in Eastern Europe. And they didn't name the nation, but an American missionary. He came back. And this thing hit the media a little bit because... They, they went into the, he went into this rural area in this nation, went to the first place, a house, walked in, sat down, and there was a father and a daughter there. And the daughter was in her 70s, and the father was 99, 99 years old. And he began to speak about Jesus, and the father and the daughter said, we've never, ever heard this. And, and he, he spoke about Jesus, and this father, who was 99, the, the guy said tears just began to stream down his face. And he said, I'm, I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful man. 
and he got born again. And I think of the communist government trying to hide the gospel for 99 years from a man. Almost a full century. And in year 99, Jesus comes. And this guy gets born again. He's probably not even alive anymore. He's probably gone to be with the Lord. And I just heard that story. I thought, praise God for his grace. For his grace. It's like the governments of the world can't stand against Jesus, man. They can't stand against him. And just grateful for that today. I thank the Lord. I, I, I've been, my deepest times of rebellion have been as a Christian. I wish that wasn't the case. Uh, it would be much more easy for me to have a story that said I was just was completely doing whatever I wanted, then I got born again, and then I served Jesus. But actually, I got baptized quite young. I knew the Lord. I actually saw the Lord move in great power, even in high school, through me. And uh, I then took my own path. And I decided I was going to walk according to my own way. And uh, you might land in a different place on this particular part of theology. I do believe you can walk so far, you can actually take yourself out of Christ. I do believe it's possible if you really want to. And you've got to go far down the road. But I was getting there. And uh, I remember the Lord woke me up one day and I was living with a girl up in Joburg and just, I, I didn't care. And I, I was even part of Oxygen Life then. I was coming in, into town and, and coming and sitting in the meetings. I wasn't part of the church, but I was sitting in the meetings. And uh, I really was on the precipice. And when the Lord spoke to me, if I'd hardened my heart, I, I don't think I would, I don't know if I would have come back from that. And uh, the Lord showed me in one moment, uh, I, I saw an old person from my old life when I loved God and I the Lord reminded me of what I used to be like. And I, I realized if I don't abandon every sinful thing now, I don't know what's going to happen to me. And I went home and broke up with this girl and broke her heart. And it was a catastrophe. And, and uh, I knew she needed the Lord, but it wasn't going to be through me. And I, I turned trust her to the Lord. And she ended up marrying a lovely Christian guy. But I just left everything. And uh, I, I played in the band for, well, what happened after that is Brad Verena, who leads Oxygen Life Church, sat me down and said, I, I, I carried on sort of doing my thing and just being a, like, I wanted to live for the Lord, but I was also living in, still compromise actually after that, but not, not in the area of women. And uh, Brad sat me down one day and said, I, I know you say you love God, and I really believe you, but I don't see any reflection of it in your life. And I was like, oh, this is not how I thought this coffee would go. And, uh, and fortunately, I... I my, my bent was not rebellious then. It was just to actually submit. And I, I said, I'm so ashamed. And I, I left that meeting and said, I'm going to live for Jesus now. I don't know what it's going to mean, but I'm going to live for him. And for the next year, I played music. I remember playing with a band called Metallica in, a, in, a, in stadiums. We played three stadiums with Metallica. And I remember standing up at the end of the show and saying, I just want everyone here to know. You just know they're all wearing black. They're all, they're all some very scary people. I just want you all to know I love Jesus and I just want to live for him. And everyone went... <laughs> What did you say? And people started laughing because they thought I was mocking the Lord. And, uh, and drunk people were sort of standing there with their beers going, did he just say he loves Jesus? You know? And uh, after a year of doing that, I realized, I don't think I can do this. Uh, I don't think it's going to work anymore. Um, and the band didn't like it. And in the end, I left that. And the Lord actually took me to becoming nothing. I do believe if we want to do something for the Lord, in some way we're going to have to face losing our reputation in the world in some way. I don't know if it's avoidable. There's different degrees. I lost everything, all, all my reputation and everything everyone thought of me was gone. And I praise God for it because it cleared my head up. And uh, I ended up working in a chicken farm <laughs> for four years, praise God. Yeah, and that was great. Thank the Lord. And, uh, and the Lord really changed me. 
it really changed me. I remember near the end of the band, we played at Cape Town Waterfront. And it was some show with Corin Zoid, and I remember we played that thing, and it was at the amphitheater, and it was so rad, and, 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 and we rocked out, and I thought, I just thought this was so fun. And at the end of it, some guy came to me, he was a drug addict, and uh, he, I don't know why, he just came to me and said, I'm on, I'm on drugs, and I, I need help. And I said, well, let me pray for you. And I sat praying for this guy, and I, I sort of stood up from that and went and found the rest of the crew, and I, I thought, that meant more to me than any of the praise I just received from hundreds of people. I was like, what is going on with you? What has happened? And I realized then it was too late. It was too late. And it was over. I realized my old life was done. You reach a point where you realize I can't go back. It's too late now. I've seen too much. And since then, the Lord has burned on my heart to love people and build up his church. I found myself in, um, I remember one guy, I was trying to help him. He was a middle-aged man. And uh, he, was, he was just a broken, broken guy. Fought on the border um, during the 80s and, and messed his head up. And, and we used to sit together in his room at this, this sort of place he was staying where they looked after him. And he would just cry and cry and cry. And I remember walking with him. And, and one day he came to me. And, and, and I just want to tell you how much the Lord has changed me. I remember one day he came to me and said, I've been into pornography and I want to get rid of it. And I want to serve Jesus. And I was like, praise God, you know. And he comes and brings me these magazines. He's like, here they are. And I'm like, get them away from me. And I'm like, oh, and I'm putting them in my bag. And we're there in, in Sydenham. Um, Pierre comes from around that area, actually close. And, and we're under some bridge. And, and he's trying to burn these <laughs> magazines. And, and I'm standing there with him. I'm trying not to look at them. And, and he's trying to burn them. And it's a windy day in PE. And the wind's blowing stuff in and out of the tunnel. And these bits of these magazines are floating around. I'm like... Just, I'm trying not to look. I'm trying to be pure myself. And, and we're with this guy, and he's crying, you know, and his tears are putting out the flames. And, and we, it's like this is an utter mess. <laughs> and we sort of stumble back from this bridge, in, under this bridge in Sydney, and back to his room. I'm like, Glenn, bro, I love you, man. I just praise God. And, you know, go, go off back to my house. And I'm like, God, what are you doing? Like, this is not me, Lord. And then you go, no, actually, this is. This is it. This is the thing, man. We give our lives for each other. We lay down our lives for people. We see Jesus and we see people. And we give ourselves for that. I want to build you up this morning. I want, I want us to look at Scripture together and have a revelation. I don't want to come and tell you a whole bunch of things about my opinion. I want to show you the Word of God. Because when we read the Word of God together, we don't waste words. And it's anointed. And, and the Holy Spirit is breathed on it. And, uh, you know, we can have a revelation in a moment. John Wesley was... He was preaching on horseback before he actually had a revelation that he belonged to the Lord. You might know John Wesley from the 1700s. He planted the Methodist church. I mean, he, he was preaching to hundreds of people before he actually had his own revelation by the Spirit that he belonged to Christ and he was secure in Christ. And when it happened was he was in a meeting like this, probably this size, and somebody was standing up and reading Martin Luther's commentary on Romans. And they were reading the introduction. And as they were reading it, John Wesley sat there and, he, and they were just reading the introduction of what Martin Luther, Martin Luther thought of the book of Romans about justification by faith. And, and John Wesley sat there and went, my heart was strangely warm. And he said, it's strangely warmed. And he said, I belong to Christ. I belong to him. I, I've put my faith in him. I'm justified. And he was never the same. He changed from that day. And then he went out and he preached and he, from a place of knowing who he belonged to. I want you to know we can have that revelation. It's by the Spirit. 
It's, it goes, it bypasses, it doesn't, it doesn't leave this because we use our minds. We must love God with our minds. But it makes its way into our hearts and into our spirits. And as we realize, that's what I want. I want for us to do that together. So the title, if you do like titles, the title of the preacher is Aiming at Jesus. Aiming at Jesus. He's the one we're aiming at. When we aim at anything else first, we risk going wrong. We risk putting things the wrong way around. And we risk ending up... I've known a lot of people who have named it burning out or losing faith or or whatever. And you just have to find out where the aim was set in the first place to find out where things have gone wrong. Because when the aim is set at Jesus first, everything slots in after that. But you do it the other way around. Even something profound like fellowship. You start aiming at fellowship first before you're aiming at Jesus. We've got problems. And we miss the thing. And it's only a matter of time before it gets exposed. And the Lord wants to give us His grace today to have a revelation again of what we're doing. We're not doing this in isolation. We're doing this together. But actually, first, all of us are saying, I want to be aiming at Jesus. I want Him. So I want to read from Philippians 3. You can grab your Bible if you've got it or your smartphone or whatever it is today. I like the actual book Bible. It helps me a lot if you've got one. I'm going to go to Philippians chapter 3. And uh, I've heard a preacher go, hold your Bible over your head, <laughs> if you heard this guy, and say, I am who this says I am. I'm going, I don't want to say that. I, I, this thing's not actually, it's less about me and actually about the glory of God. And I want to hold it over my head and go, this thing kind of scares me. <laughs> but it's about God, and I want to know God. And I want to know Him more. You get into this, I am who it says I am. Do you know who it says we are, actually? It's not always complimentary about us. In fact, hardly at all. <laughs> okay. We want the Lord. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just read from here. So this is Paul. Finally, my brothers, and if you know this letter, it's not really finally. He kind of carries on quite a bit after this. But <laughs> finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. If you ever wonder why preachers are sometimes saying the same things, this is why. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. And it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs. Now, he's not talking about actual dogs running around. He's talking about people. And in the ancient world, a dog was one of the worst things you could call a person. Dogs were hated. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. Now, the context of it, he's talking about people who are going around, Jewish people actually following Paul around town to town and going, what Paul says is awesome, but don't you, I just want to say to you, if you really want to be acceptable to God, what you need to do is just add this and you'll be circumcised. You just make sure you're acceptable to him and then you'll be great. And Paul goes, they're the dogs. Those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision. We, in other words, we who are the, those set apart as holy for the Lord. We who worship by the Spirit of God. Who glory in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. Now when I was about 18 years old, I found a study guide of Philippians. And I, I don't know why I, I latched onto this thing. And I read this thing, and the Lord was actually preparing me for where I'd end up, where I would be in a similar position of like, Lord, everything's going to go. And this thing took a hold of my heart, this next part. And he says, although I myself have reasons for such confidence. So he's saying, we can't put confidence in the flesh before God and before people. 
But Paul goes, just in case you're wondering, I actually have reasons. Now, he's about to give us an... an a, okay, if anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Now, he's about to give us a Jewish ancient world CV, which does not mean much to us. We read this today and go, okay, circumcised the eighth day, congrats, well done to you. We don't really care. But the, you've got to recognize the CV he's laying out here. It was everything that a Jewish person, a Jewish man in particular, aimed at. It was what they wanted. It was to be acceptable for God, but also before people. It was the right credentials. Circumcised on the eighth day. Okay, they did it in the right way when they needed to. Of the people, by the way, that's a good time to circumcise a boy. Like 16 years old, 17 years old is a terrible time. <laughs> really hurts. Okay, so eighth day works out well for everyone involved. Of the people of Israel, right? In other words, he's a true Israelite. Of the tribe of Benjamin, the aristocratic tribe within Israel, the good tribe to be part of. The first king came from the tribe of Benjamin, and he was named after him, Saul. A Hebrew of Hebrews. In other words, my parents were Hebrews. I'm a Hebrew. In regard to the law, a Pharisee. Did you check out the CV just being ticked, and it's looking good. In regards to the law, a Pharisee. The Pharisees held to the strictest part of the law. And they, they would sometimes call them, I think it was them, they called them bleeding head Pharisees because they were so afraid of looking at a woman lustfully, which by the way, I think we need more of today, and, and may God help me in this. They were so afraid of looking at a woman lustfully that they walked with their heads down and they just walked into things. <laughs> they would walk into a doorpost or walk into a wall and, and their heads would just constantly have these like scars on them. I think, actually praise God for that. So it's not a bad idea. So if, I, if next time you see me, I've got massive scars on my head, then you know. Okay. So in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, he persecuted the church. He's not just going, I love the Jewish traditions and I want to follow. He's going, and he's not just going, I love the Jewish religion and I want to help you to follow. He's going, I love the Jewish religion so much. I'm going to hurt you if you don't, if you oppose it or if you bring in something else that's contradicting it. So that's how zealous he was. That's the wrong kind of zeal. And it wasn't, certainly wasn't sanctioned by the Lord that. But as for zeal, he persecuted the church. And as for legalistic righteousness, he calls himself faultless. I'm like, are you sure? Are you sure you want to use those terms? But he's looking back on his life and he's going, he's not saying righteousness before God. He's saying legalistic righteousness. In other words, what I was required to fulfill, I fulfilled it. Faultless. Now, this is quite a CV. It's way out of our paradigm. But he lays it out there. And then he says this. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. I think to myself, it wasn't a theory for him. You know, I've been reading Acts, and I don't know why the Lord's done something in me that I don't quite understand, but I felt so moved for Paul. Uh, he doesn't care now. He's like, I'm rejoicing with Jesus. But I felt so moved for him. It's like thinking of this guy getting born again. And it says he came, to, he tried to join the disciples. And they were like, don't come near us. We know you're trying to kill us. And he was totally alone. And he's, he, he, he gets born again. And every bit of reputation, everything he had was gone. The people who loved him now hated him. The people who he hated now feared him. And it's like he's got, I don't know, Ananias who prayed over him and maybe some guys in Damascus. But he's going, everything's been taken from me. Everything I put my hope in, everything I put 
everything in. It's gone. And I, I've just read it. With, it feels like with fresh eyes. Like, God, this is incredible. This man got born again. Instantly people are trying to kill him. I'm like, God, this is amazing. And so when he writes this, he means it. He means it. Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. And he really did mean all things. If I think of some of the toughest things to lose, I think reputation is one. I think losing reputation is one. And I think it does, it, I think it sort of has to happen with us when we get born again. I'm not sure we can avoid it. And I wonder sometimes when, when people get born again, if they do avoid it, if they really have lived for Jesus completely. Because I'm thinking when you come out of that stuff, there's got to be something of, of your old life going, ah, you're different. You remember when, when the older generation will know this, when you got born again, you used to burn all your old music. Do you remember that? It's like there's no equivalent today. Or wipe your hard drive or whatever. But guys used to have bonfires for their old records, like my dad's generation. They would burn the stuff. And it's like, where's that today? Where's the bonfire of my old life? And the loss of all things, the loss of my reputation, it's gone. And Paul really did go through this. I consider them rubbish. And the, you must know the word he used for rubbish is actually not a great word. It's not a great thing to build a preacher on because he's actually using a word that he shouldn't use. It's a naughty word. But it's, it's, it's dung. I think the King James used the word dung, which is also a nice way of saying it. But he considers them rubbish, those things he lost. That I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. You just think of this thing. The righteousness of Jesus. It's the double substitution. You know, we have a problem today. We've forgotten the double substitution. And this is what it means. I don't just come and give my muck to Jesus. Here's my sin. Ugh, thank you. Thank you, Lord. It's kind of where we leave it. We forget. Jesus goes... And now here's what I've got to give to you. Here's my righteousness. And so we, we can live with this false understanding of, I just give my sin to Jesus, I just give my sin to Jesus, I just give my sin to Jesus, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. That's a good thing, but it's a double substitution. He goes, I receive your sin, and now I'll give you what I have. What an amazing mystery. The righteousness of God. Honestly, the more you think you understand it, the less you understand it. You go, How? this is why Peter says angels long to look into these things. Peter says in his letter, angel, you ever wonder why he says angels long to look into something? It's because they're going, we see God's righteousness. We see you people. <laughs> and everything wrong with you. And somehow that's been given to you. I'd like to understand this more, Lord. <laughs> really, they long to look into it. It's the righteousness. Not a righteousness of our own. I heard a wonderful story of a guy who goes to prison, prison ministry. And uh, I think he's in America. And he takes a Bible and he preaches to his prisoners. If you've, gone, if you've gone into a prison to preach, it's hectic, man. He takes this Bible and he says, I'm now going to tear out every page of this Bible that was written by a murderer. And he holds this thing up and he tears out Genesis, 
Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's just a pile of papers on the floor. He says, Moses was a murderer. And he wrote those books. God revealed them to him. And he goes to Psalms. And for the sake of just being, being general, he just tears out the whole Psalms. Because some of them are written by other people, but most of them are by David. He tears out the whole Psalms. It's just paper lying on the ground. He says, David was a murderer. He murdered a man's wife. Ah, murdered a woman's husband. <laughs> and then he goes to the New Testament. He goes, starts Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, Philemon. By the end of it, there's like this half of this thing left. He goes, Paul was a murderer. Murder people. And he looks at the prisoners and goes, if God can take murderers and use them to fulfill his purpose, don't you think he can use you? I'm like, that's brilliant. <laughs> I don't really want to go tearing up Bibles, but that's brilliant. <laughs> you just think of it. You go, the righteousness. Not having a righteousness of my own. Why do you think so many people get born again in prison? Because they've hit the bottom and they go, I am, there is society has been unanimous that I do not have a righteousness of mine. And they've put me in here now. And Paul goes, oh, I want to have that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ, he says in verse 10. And you read this and you go, you do know him, Paul. You met him on the road to Damascus. Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus. Now you know him. And he's writing this years later. But you see, he's aiming at Jesus. So he's not going, can someone introduce me to Jesus, please? I'd like to get born again. I want to know Christ. I want to know him. And this, is, that this would be the cry of our hearts for the rest of our lives. I want to know Christ. It's like, we sometimes feel like we graduate into something else. It's like, awesome, I've done that. Okay, what's next, you know? Where's my platform, Lord? And it's like, I want to know Christ. I want to know Him. The Lord's been showing me this as the year started. I, I, I must say, I, I feel like I've, I've, I've departed from a little bit. But the Lord is just taking me to, in the afternoons to just walk in the fields uh, around in PE and just walk around and just go, I want to know you, Lord. I want to be with you. I want to know you. I want to, I want to have a greater revelation of you, Jesus. And before I ask you for anything, I just want to be with you. And it's like, Lord, you, you're not the key to my breakthrough. You are the breakthrough. Knowing you is not the thing that gets me somewhere. You are the thing. You understand? It's like, yeah, I don't want the Lord so that I can, can, can go and do something great. Knowing the Lord is doing something great. It's like, Lord, that's what I want. And everything flows out of that. And it's so easy to switch that thing around. It's so easy, just without even realizing it. It's like, Okay, God, here's what I'm looking for. Here's the path I want to take, Lord. So it's like, Lord, you are the path I want to take. It's you. It's him. You know, when people live like this, they're unstoppable. When a group of people are going, the Lord is the thing. The Lord is the thing. We're unstoppable. I'm hearing a lot of people talking at the moment, just outside of, outside of 412, not, not in 412, but a lot of people around me in the city going like, we need to take a city. We need to take the city. I'm going, that's fine. May, may, we, may we, like it be said in, in Acts, they're turning the city upside down. May that be the case. But honestly, 
It's like we want to disciple people into loving Jesus with everything. We want to disciple people into loving Jesus. So, you know, we just planted a campus congregation. It's our fourth congregation now. It's a wonderful group of guys. Guys actually here from, from campus. Where's Guy? You didn't, you didn't lift your hand when they said, is anyone from? I was like, Woo! So Guy's part of the campus congregation. But, you know, that thing got planted because... I'm seeing guys from other churches going and doing apologetics on campus. They're going and doing worship events on campus. They're going and doing prayer times. It's all good. It's all good. It's not bad at all. But I'm going, where is the church? Where is the church? Where are the disciples? Where are the people going? I want to, I want to know Jesus. Do you want to know Jesus? Yes. Okay, let's know him together. Okay, let's find each other. Come on, let's do this. It's like, you know, the lectures and the, and the apologetics and the, you know, let me prove to you that Jesus died and rose from the dead. That's great. It's good. But I want to see disciples, man. I want to see people getting there in 30 years' time. They're still doing the same thing. And they, in 30 years' time, they're going, I want to know Christ. I want to know him. If Paul can do that, I want to do that. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death. I don't think Paul meant that he wanted to be nailed to a piece of wood. I think he meant, I want to be totally surrendered to the Father. I want to do whatever he asks me. I want to give my life for him. I want to be abandoned to his will. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And we know that the Lord said to Paul, you're going to preach the gospel, you're going to be going, you're going to, you, this man is my chosen instrument to take the gospel to the Gentiles. But actually, what did Christ Jesus take hold of him for first? Just to know him. Just to know him. Just to save him and that he would know Jesus. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, to which everyone must go, oh dear. <laughs> well then, where does that leave us? Okay. So I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. And don't forget, he was behind the murder of Stephen. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, I have a very developed theology about the prize. I understand the, 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 the rewards of God. I, I know that they are physical rewards, but I also see in the Word that those who are given crowns are going to throw them back at Him. Not out of anger or anything like that, but they're going to throw them. It's a bit rude, eh? Ah. But they're going to throw it back at Jesus. Why? Because they're going to go, you're the prize. You're it. This belongs to you. Jesus, the prize for which I'm called. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. In other words, you'll be wrong. If you think differently, you're wrong. <laughs> Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join with others in following my example, brothers. His example of what? His example of going, I want to know Christ. I want Him first of all and above everything. And take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For as I have often told you before, and I'll say again even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. 
but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. How do you stand firm in the Lord, in other words? Well, the key is that it's, it's the Lord. It's in the Lord. We don't always stand firm. I'm becoming more and more concerned about some of the worship songs people are writing from overseas. It's like everything is focusing on the, the, my enemies. and Well, not everything, but it's beginning to become anxiety in my enemies. And so we're orientating ourselves around that. And Paul's going, no, you stand firm in the Lord by saying, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. We don't ignore the trials of this earth. We don't ignore the problems of this earth. But we first orientate ourselves around, I want Jesus. I want to aim at him. Not even aiming at freedom, first of all, by the way. We do need to come into freedom in all areas of our life. I want to be free in every area. I don't want anything holding me, some kind of foothold on my life. But actually, before I make that the primary goal of everything I want, I want Jesus. Jesus actually leads me into freedom. And when I want him, and he becomes more beautiful than the sin that I keep coming back to, well, then I can, I can actually break out of it. And so I aim at him. I want him. Lord, I want you. Jesus, I want you. When a group of people all start thinking like that, it's like everything else makes sense. So sometimes you'll come into, I don't know if you had this experience, you come into a group like this and everyone's going, hey, how are you? Who are you? Tell me your story. When are you get born again? <laughs> Maybe they don't do it here. They do it in oxygen. People walk in and everyone's like, tell me everything you've ever done. And the person's like, I just, I don't know what to do. This isn't my experience of the people of God. And, and so we kind of look at that and we go, I'm worried. You know, this is too much. And people are asking me how I'm doing. And, and people ask me for the first time to share about my life. And I, I, you know, I don't have to tell, but, but I see in the word, I've got to open my life and I've got to be vulnerable. And I've got to, I've got to take an interest in others. And I've got to do all this stuff. And it can be quite overwhelming. And we're like, this is too much. I, I can't deal with this. Can't we just sit and like, Lace the naughty do over near, you know, and just like listen to a good word and get out of here, you know. But actually, when you start aiming at Jesus first, you're like, of course this made sense. Of course this is the way to do it. Because Jesus gave himself for us. And, so, and then Jesus goes, I don't want you to just love your neighbor as yourself anymore. I'm giving you a new command. Love one another as I've loved you. It's like, I'm a word. Jesus, I'm aiming at you and you've just told me to love Others, as you've loved me. How did you love me? Well, you certainly took a deep interest in me. You left, you left your throne. Oh, my word. And so we start doing this naturally. And now it's not the swimming upstream, like a salmon swimming upstream. It's this thing like, I can actually do this. Because I've first set my, my sights on the Lord Jesus. And it is possible. You know, what Paul's just described, everything flowed out of that for him. Everything. It's like, you think of Paul kneeling with the Ephesian elders, crying. You think of Paul writing to the Thessalonians, you are my joy and my crown. Our glory in God, in, in the presence of God over your life. You think of Paul thinking all that of the people he used to try and kill. And you think, there's a man who aimed at Jesus. And he got everything he needed in Jesus. And he looked to Jesus, and the radiance of Jesus was on him. And with, it's like with unveiled face, he saw the Lord. And he went... Of course, everything's just going to flow from that. And when he goes to, to, to one of the guys, I don't know if it's Galatians or whoever it was, but he goes, 
When we were with you, we were gentle with you, like a mother with her children. Not a thing for a guy to say. And you realize there's gentleness. And even as he's among them, and he's, he's walking among them and talking to them, he's gentle. People were like that with me, eh? You know, I was a skabanga, eh? And I'd come into church meetings, and I knew they knew what I was getting up to. I knew they knew it. I knew they could just look in my eyes and know this man is compromised. But they were gentle. They were gentle with me. And they loved me. And you know why? Because they were setting their sights on Jesus. And as they received the gentleness of the Lord, and they aimed at him, and it's like he became everything to them. That it was just such an easy transition to, to look to a person and go, of course I'll be gentle with you. My Lord is gentle. And then when the moment was right, people spoke into my life and they were honest with me. And they didn't lie to me. And they didn't say, oh, it's all good, it's all going to work out. They said, no, you need to put aside your sin. You know, leave your life of sin. Because why? Because our Lord does that. And so I aim at Jesus and he becomes everything. And he says to me, I need you to put aside your sin. And I go, okay. And it becomes easy for me. I'm not afraid of people then. I'm not afraid of people's reactions. I go, I want to say to you, brother, in gentleness, I want to say, put aside your sin. That we can serve God together properly. And I'm not afraid of that now because I've first got it in Jesus, actually. And you think of serving, man. I know in a, in a context like this, there's a lot of stuff to be done. We were in a school hall for years. Eh? And uh, the hall was empty when we arrived and it was empty when we left. I mean, so many guys are doing that. I knew working hard. And, you know, Maggie, I know you'll be working hard as a congregation. And it's like, I've seen many people end up going, I'm working quite hard here. Eh? Who's helping me? Like who's, you know, my, it's people who've got this type of phones that don't make phone calls, they just receive them. And it's like, no one's phoning me. <laughs> you kind of say, does your phone make calls as well? Yeah, okay, maybe you should phone some people. I'm not saying any of this because I think there's a problem here. I'm just saying this is a common humanity. This is how humanity works. It's like, and then and the person starts getting muffed and it's like, nah. these guys say they're all about love and no one's getting hold of me. You know what, maybe we do need to sharpen up on that. Maybe we do. The leaders need to go, yeah, we can get better at that. But actually, all of us need to go, Jesus, I look upon your face and upon your radiance, and you fill me up. And man, I know it's not my inheritance to walk through this life alone. I know it. But right now, I do feel a bit alone. Well, Jesus, can I first find in you what I need to find? Okay. Thank you, Lord. And I seek him and I pursue him. And then it's just so easy to turn to people. Of course I will, because I see Jesus in you. And I love you. And it's easy for me. I go, yeah, you didn't phone me. It's totally fine. Maybe your phone's broken. I didn't get invited to that party. Maybe the networks are down. Maybe, uh, you know, I didn't get invited to that anniversary party or whatever. Maybe all the cell phone towers collapsed. And, and, <laughs> <laughs> and it's easy because we look at each other like that through grace. And we go, that's all good, man. That's totally cool. And I can totally process it. Because you're aiming at Jesus. Aiming at him, man. He's the thing. And listen, I, we, I've been in the PM congregation at the moment. I've been um, preaching on 30 years' time. I've been saying, guys, 30 years' time. And I made one guy stand up. He was 24 or something. I said, 30 years' time, this guy's going to be 54 years old. Everyone's like, oh, no way. It's like, he's going to be 54 years old. What is he going to be doing then? Is he going to be doing what he's doing now? Because this guy's working hard. And he loves God. and he, He's a servant to the church. I said to them, is he going to be doing the same thing he's doing now? Actually, not the same thing, with more faith, in a greater way, with a greater impact, and just loving people even more. What is he going to do now to make sure that he's doing that? What's he going to do? How's he going to put that in place? And the thing, first thing is aiming at Jesus. That's the thing. So aim at Jesus. Honestly, 
You're still aiming at Jesus in 30 years' time. There's absolutely no way we will not have been massively fruitful. There's no way. You're still aiming at Jesus. Jesus is going to lead you. He's going to go, go to your brothers and sisters, love them. He's going to go, give yourself, make yourself useful. Because that's what he's like. It's like, make yourself useful, work hard. Paul goes, I work harder than all the others. Yet not I, but the grace of God in me. And this is the life the Lord wants us to live, man. So I want to encourage you. I, I pray that this has been encouraging and that you, that together, man, we'll do this thing. And that you'll know, even in PE, there's, there's a group of people wanting the same thing. We want the same thing as you. Just glorify Jesus, know Him, love Him, enjoy Him. Reach people's lives. Bring them into something healthy. But actually at the center of it all is Jesus. And may that be our testimony. May this be the defining mark, the defining characteristic for this congregation and for all of our congregations. May it be said, these people love Jesus more than anything. They love Him and they will do anything for Him. And we see them doing anything for Him. We see them giving themselves for each other because they love Him. I'd love to pray for you and uh, pray for this congregation. And then I'm going to let Chad... Just before uh, he closes, Sean prays and closes for us, just while he was finishing off, I just kept on having this uh, line pop in my head. If you aim for Jesus, you will never miss the mark. If you aim for Jesus, you'll never miss the mark. And I, I don't know why, but I had this picture of, of, of a bow and, and just the bow being pulled and the arrow flying to its mark. And, and I just, uh, yeah, I just, I almost feel like I think there, there's some of us here this morning that are just going, I actually am missing the mark at the moment. It's because I'm not aiming for Jesus. And I, I was just, again, you know, th- this whole thing of we, we're justified by the work of the cross. We, we have access to the throne room of Jesus through the work of the cross, but every day, is a process of sanctification. And every day we are being made more into the image of Jesus. And it's a process, but it's a process that is made easier when we're aiming at Jesus and that we're allowing him to take the bow and to release that arrow and hit the mark. So I almost feel that there needs to come a response from that. And, and I know... I, I, I'm going to stand because I know there are times I'm missing the mark. And I want to challenge us this morning. If you in your heart of hearts know that in the, there are areas in your life where you're not aiming at Jesus and you're actually missing the mark, I want you to stand up with me and say, Jesus, today. And don't just stand up because everyone else is standing up. But I, Because when we stand up and when we call for response, I hope that you mean it. Because you're making a statement that says, everyone else, look, I'm standing. Now hold me accountable to this thing. It's, it's, there comes a weight in this response. So we don't take it lightly. And it might be any area of your life. You might be missing the mark in terms of your thought life, in terms of your language, in terms of your relationships, in terms of how you are with your wife or your husband, your children. And it's because you're focused on the wrong thing. You're so focused on getting it right 
You're so focused on putting down the sin that actually you've forgotten about that he wants to give you his righteousness. Thank you, God. Yeah. Oh, Lord Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you that what we have put in place that is uh, ungodly, you are able to take from us in a moment, in a moment of repentance and faith. You take it from us. You give us your righteousness. And your word says your mercies on you every morning, Lord. And uh, we thank you so much for this, Lord. I thank you that as we even just surrender these things to us, we release them to you now, Lord Jesus. You're faithful. And your word says you're faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So thank you, Lord. And then, Lord, I pray that you'll, just as we even spend time together now and encourage each other, and even as we go from this place, will you show us what this means? to set our sights on you, Lord. Show us, Lord. Help us to, show us what it means to spend time with you in prayer and pour out our devotion and minister to you and read your word. And Lord, we want to be these people. I pray that you will help us in the secret place, that we will be those people who find great delight in you, Jesus. Actually, our first delight in everything. Thank you for your grace to be able to move forward now that you, you give us a fresh um, yeah, impetus, a fresh momentum to move forward. And uh, I thank you that even as we go, we don't, we don't go alone, but you are with us. Oh, we just praise you for that, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Lord, I thank you this morning that as Sean has shared, Lord God, you have... Uh, taken your arrow and struck our hearts and as we would aim for Jesus as we would aim for you Jesus that as our sights are set on you and we look through the the uh, the sights of a, of of I just have the picture as well of of a, of a, uh, a man with a rifle and he looks through the sights and he looks for the target and he finds the target and then he pulls the trigger lord as as we look through you look to you through the sights of life of circumstances we would almost in a sense get that tunnel vision and all we would see is you all we would see is you jesus that everything else around us would be would be blackened out and we wouldn't be distracted by anything else but jesus we would look to you we would hunger and thirst and pursue you. And, and even as we've stood here this morning and as we've, we've, we've stood in agreement with one another to say, today I need to set my sights again on Jesus, that, Lord, your grace and your spirit would enable us to do this, Jesus. I pray in the name of Jesus for every single person standing here, Lord, where we might feel that we don't have the strength or, or we, we can't do it in our own strength. Yes, we can't do it in our own strength, but Jesus that you, Holy Spirit, would come and empower us and you would just come upon us right now in power and in strength to do that which you've called us as a people. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I pray that, Father God, that you would come in power and that, Lord, we would see each and every one of our lives transformed into your glory, into your likeness, and that we would become the image bearers that you created us to be. Image bearers of your goodness, of your mercy, of your grace forevermore. And that we would be looking back 30 years down the line and saying, I am still serving Jesus with purpose and determination more so than I did 30 years ago. That we would be those people that would never grow tired, never grow weary of serving the living God. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray that. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Power. Amen.
Amen, amen, amen. Guys, be blessed. Have an incredible week. And we're looking forward to uh, spending time with one another.